Yes, we are doing a a shoot off study again. Last week, what did we do? Sin. Sin. What was that exactly? I can't remember what I named it. Oh, the deception of sin. Yeah. It was a D. It was a D, and so now we have the defeating sin. Is our study for this week. And so obviously, this is an important issue. And so we got some scriptures here we're going to go through. And we'll try and get some tips here on how to defeat sin biblically. So we have three, or no, I have four sections there. The first section is by the power of God. And this is the most important section. The only way that we, you can have victory over sin, you cannot do it by your own fleshly power. It has to be by the Spirit of God, by God's power. And we've done lessons frequently where we've stressed dependence on the Lord. And that that's where it all starts. So if you want to have victory over sin, the first thing you need to know is that you have to rely upon God and His Spirit to do it. Alright, so we'll start Romans 8.13. For if you live, if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So you see there the second half of that verse, where it talks about how to put the death, put to death the deeds of the body, which is sin. It's by the Spirit. And so, if you try and do, if you try and so whatever sin you're struggling with or sins, we all have more than one. We're all struggling with different sins. But if you try and do it by your own fleshly power, that's just what, that's another form of a, you know, what asceticism is. It's just like self-denial by your own grit. Um, How do you spell that? Good question. It's A-S-C-E-T-I-S-M, I think. Or I-S. Uh, there's a couple of missing letters in there. <laughs> it's called asceticism. It's from ascetic. It's it's a you know, a lot of people do involve religious activities in this, where you just deny yourself. Mormonism has got some of that in there. With they they won't drink caffeine. They won't you know nicotine and all these things externally are good things. But if you do them, but but if you even if you accomplish them externally, it doesn't deal with the heart issue of the sin. But on top of that. trying to commit, quit sin, let's say you quit a sin on your own power. What does that do to you? What does that do to you? It inflates your ego. Because you're like, oh, look what I did. I quit. Oh, like, yeah. you know, like when I was... Smoking or whatever. Yeah, whatever it is, if you're an unbeliever, you know, particularly, uh, if you quit a sin, particular sin, a lot of people quit sin. You don't have to be a Christian to stop doing yeah. bad things. You know, there's a lot of people quit drinking, quit smoking, quit cheating on their wife, do these things. But first and foremost, it's never for the Lord. It's never because it's usually for consequential reasons. You've got consequences. You're either your health is failing or you've been arrested or your wife has found out. You know, there's usually the motive behind it is not the glory of the Lord. It is a earthly motive. But on top of that, even if you do accomplish quitting something, all it does, oh, look what I did. So you're just puffing yourself up. But for a Christian, it has to be by the power of the Spirit. 
or you won't you won't succeed anyway. If you do, if you quit, and this is the same thing with an unbeliever, but if you quit uh, repentance of an idol, if you just switch to another idol, which is whatever, what always happens. If, for example, when I uh, quit smoking, or if somebody were to quit smoking, usually they, well, for example, drinkers usually in AA, when they quit drinking, what do they do? They pick up smoking, or they pick up something else to to kind of engage their minds away from whatever it is they're quitting. But all you've done really is just switch idols. You just go to something else to focus your heart on. And unless you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you have the Spirit of God within you, that's just the way it's going to happen. It's called idol switching. It's not really anything of the heart, but, you know, heart repentance. So, but this verse is clear that you have, in order to put to death the deeds of the body, you have to do it by the power of the Spirit. Right, Galatians 5.16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So what we're talking about here is defeating sin, which is not carrying out the desire of the flesh. And how do you do that? You have to walk by the Spirit. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what is walking by the Spirit. What is not quenching the Spirit? What is being filled with the Spirit? Which are terms we'll get to here in a little bit. And we'll go through a little bit as we go along what what this means. Because, you know, it's easy to say, hey, walk by the Spirit. But you're like, okay, well, what does that mean? How do you do that? And we'll we'll deal with that as we go along. But you say, for, first thing you notice here in Galatians 5.16 is walk is a continuous action. So that's uh, the activity of defeating sin is a daily activity. It's never a, it's an ongoing process. So the battle is never over until we're glorified. So this is going to be a continuous battle, but it's a battle that you have to fight. You have to fight this, or else you'll just be overrun by sin. And then ultimately, as a Christian, the Lord will get around to chastening, and he'll bring things into your life that force you into these situations. That's what he had, you know, when I was in my backslide. It was, I remember warning flag after warning flag after warning flag, and I knew, and I knew, and I knew, and then eventually I got myself down into uh, a whole lot of idolatry. And then here comes the squeeze, here comes the chastening. He, for a child of God, he won't let you just fall away, and he, you never stop believing. But ultimately, you can either obey out of joy and blessing, or you can be taught to obey painfully. It's better option A. True. All right, so Colossians 3.1, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated, or Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. So here's one of the a very good tip on defeating sin. And it's, it's impossible not to... It's impossible to defeat sin, and so we'll, we start to engage with what is walking by the Spirit. Well, part of that is setting your mind on the on Christ, keeping your mind on the on spiritual things. And there is no way you can just have your mind set upon earthly things without falling into sin and idolatry. That's just the way that works. Now, we have to live in the world. We have to engage in the world. We have duties to do, but it's, it's where your heart is. It's where, what your priorities are. And if your priorities are the things of the earth, then you will be you will be just struggling with sin more than you will if you have your priorities upon the Lord. 
and that's another way of learn you know to learn how to have just the presence of the Lord it's just it and we'll talk about scripture reading all this other stuff in a little bit but just one of the things that really helps me is just thinking about the Lord as continuously as I can it doesn't take a whole lot of effort I can pretty much do everything else I'm doing by every now and then just thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of God and just thinking up there and you know just thanking him and doing those subconscious things where you it just keeps your mind where it should be because as we just read we're commanded to set our minds on the things above not the things that are on the earth and so it's a priority issue but if you constantly live with the presence of the Lord in your mind it will help you to defeat sin because it's impossible really to think about the Lord and do willful sin when you start to do willful sin your mind will immediately shut him out because that's just the way that works. But if you have your mind on him, it'll it won't keep you sinless, but it'll keep it'll it really helps to keep yourself away from worldly things. All right, Hebrews twelve one. Let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. And so just like, first off, in, in verse 2 there, we see where it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. It's another, kind of like the verse before we just went through, that in order to turn from sin, you have to set your mind on Christ. You have to fix your eyes on Jesus. So you, in order to turn from sin, you, have to, you can't just turn from sin. You have to turn from sin to the Lord, or it won't work. And that's why we talk about doing it by His power. You can't do it on your own. And so if you're just trying to do this, you know, if, you, if you've got sin in your life, you're like, I'm just going to stop doing that by your own gut power. It will never work. You have to turn from sin to the Lord. And then you see in verse 1, it says, Lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us. And so you see encumbrance there is not even necessarily sin. It's just a distraction, really. And we talk about this all the time. There's a lot of gray areas. You know, Obviously, getting drunk is a sin. And it's not an encumbrance. It's just something that is clearly defined as a sin or committing adultery or the things that are clearly laid out as sin. We don't need, we don't need to debate whether that's a sin or not. But there are things that are liberty issues. But the more you can learn to lay aside the things that are even distracting and fix your eyes on the Lord, even if it's not necessarily sin, you will have a lot more victory over sin. And so, and then all, and at the end there I have underlined, who for the joy set before him. That's how the... that's. Obviously, Jesus Christ, God incarnate, obeyed the Father perfectly, we know, in the incarnation. And you can see his motivations. His motivation was he was looking forward. And that's what we always say to you know us and anybody else is look up, like we just talked about, look to Christ and keep your mind on him and look out to the kingdom. You realize this is not our home, that we should not be too comfortable here. And you'll see to it that we're not too comfortable here. But we realize that we, you know, it's not 
saying we don't live in the world, we don't act in the world, we don't enjoy things in the world, we don't enjoy relationships, and that's all fine. But ultimately, our 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 kingdom is to come, and so we should follow our Lord's example here and look forward to the kingdom, and that helps when you realize, especially when you're having a hard time, is. It's a. It's, that's usually why I think a lot of times why the Lord brings good or tough things in your life. So you look to Him for dependence, and then you look. Okay, it's one day this is going to be a lot better. Because the more you're suffering, the more you're kind of like, okay, Lord, I'd like for you to return now and give me my new glorified body because I'm in a lot of pain. It seems like all my relationships are breaking down and everything's going horrible. And this would be a real good time for the rapture. But when you're comfortable and everything's going well. Then you kind of you can easily go. Well, you know what, Lord, you can wait a little bit. And so, it's never you never want to be too comfortable in this world because this world is the Bible calls it per, a perverse generation. We live in a, a a wicked world. This world is not a good world, and you can see that. I think you know when you get your eyes opened. And you start watching the news and from a Christian perspective. You, it doesn't surprise you. You don't go, I'm never stunned. But it, it seems to be getting exceptionally wicked right now. It does. I mean, it's almost like mind-boggling with some of the stuff that's going on there. So I usually don't watch a whole lot of news. But it doesn't surprise me. Nothing surprises me. Because we know biblically that God restrains evil all the time. And, and all He has to do is just move his move his this judicial abandonment, move his grace out a little bit from human beings, and they will do what they would have done before, except they didn't have the opportunity. And so God has the right to remove his restraint, and and we you know during that end times period, that last three and a half years in particular, I think he just completely almost removes his restraint, and you see what life would be like without his restraint. And it, it'll be really, really, really bad. But so, yes, it's, it's it, you know, I'm not a legalist. We talk about this all the time with sports, with entertainment, with the things that are gray. And, and everybody struggles with, and it's, it would not be right for me to impose my, the, what I have convictions about on you and say, this is what you must do if it's not biblically laid out. So I don't do that. But I do always say that the, that, you you'll be more. I've learned in my personal experience that that entertainment and those things are are really the more you can voluntarily give up for the Lord, but not because of me, but for the Lord, because you want a closer relationship with Him, you will be blessed by it. That's just a it's. There's not much coming out of Hollywood that's going to edify your soul, and there's not much out of coming out of Hollywood that won't damage your soul, and that includes athletics and things. Now I'm not. I always say I'm. I'm not saying that it's because I'm, I'm. Every pastor usually talks about sports, and that's okay. But it's okay not to too. I mean, it's not the end of the world. I've learned. I, I'm, not, I'm by the grace of the Lord. It's been, I think, five weeks since I've watched any TV at all, any. And and at first it was really. You know, I'm not, I don't want that to sound because it's been the Lord just kind of convicting me. And I've, and there, I've done this before. I've gone two or three weeks, and then I go, kind of go back. And it's just, I've gotten to the place now, and again, I hate to say this, every time I say, I've gotten to the place now where 
I don't, you know, because there's times when it creeps up a little bit, but I've learned just kind of to remind myself, you don't need it. It's not necessary. You, especially like I got through the Super Bowl. That was big. I love football, you know, and I didn't watch the Super Bowl, not one second, because I just didn't want to be impacted by it. And I got through the night, and I checked the score when it was over, and I was like, you know what? That's didn't miss that at all. You know, it's a lot of the stuff's overrated in your mind. Oh, yeah. And then once you go without it for a little while. So those are the encumbrances. But I will say this. If you give up something from, from your heart for the Lord, that are encumbrances and not necessarily sin, you learn that he likes that and he blesses that. And the closer you can draw to him, and he'll let you know. He's let me know a few times when I get legalistic to myself and I'm like, then I realize, and he just kind of adjusts that a little bit. And it's always a battle, and it's different for every person, the liberty issues, the encumbrances. But especially with what it seems like a lot of people struggle with now is entertainment because it is everywhere on your phone. You can, I mean, think about it. In the last 10 years ago, if you wanted to watch a TV show, you had to wait for the time to come on, catch it, or maybe if you were real fancy, you had a DVR that you had to set the timer for. Now... It doesn't matter where you're at. You have access to any show, any episode, all the time. And you can stream it just consecutively. So instead of just watching one show, like we used to, you know, set up for 8 o'clock and you watch it and, okay, next week I'll get it next week. Now it's like you get on Netflix and you just blast through a whole season in one sitting. It's called binging, I think. And that's not, that's just not good for the Christian mind. But I used to do that. That was part of my backslide. I just got to where I just streamed show after show after show after show. I didn't care what they were about. I was just numbing my brain is all I wanted to do. All right. So we'll move on. Ephesians 5.18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God. And so you see there underlined there is be filled with the Spirit. And whenever you are filled with the Spirit, that is, your mind is on the Lord, your mind is on obey, you know, we'll get to the, down there at the bottom, they're talking about saturating your mind with Scripture, and that's, that's how you get filled with the Spirit, is your mind is just consumed with Him. And you're thinking about Him, and you're thanking Him. And you see that's an active thing as well, be filled. It's an ongoing active thing, just like walk, ongoing active thing that we're to be called, called to do. And so you see, do not get drunk with wine. You know, you're like, uh-huh, that's kind of an odd transition there. But it, it's you're talking about when you get drunk with wine, you're under, you're under the control of wine, where we want to be under the control of the Spirit. And the result of that is always you're singing and making melody to the Lord from your heart. When you're filled with the Spirit, you're filled with joy. And that joy will pour itself out in, in thankfulness to the Lord. And you'll be singing praises to Him all the time. And, and that's what He wants. You see, you see there, we are called to sing and make melody to Him. There's, that's why when you go to church, you should, we should all... When the songs are playing and we're the congregation is singing to the Lord, we should be singing from our hearts to the Lord, thanking Him for what He's done. And I'm not a good singer. 
so I tried mute it a little bit, but I've gotten more and more just kind of like, hey, you know what? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Maybe she somebody. Yeah, the math is bad. She does all she can do. Yes, I admire her. She gets up there and does a good job. Yeah. Who? Tammy. You know, the one who reads the... She sings now, too? Mm-hmm. In the... In, in the the, the uh, yeah. offering song. She does a good job. Her yeah. heart is definitely in that. All right, First Thessalonians 5.15. See that nobody repays evil for evil. That's a whole, I was going to say, that's a whole number. All of us. All of us. But yeah, it's, it's those situations. That's what I told Gracie on the phone earlier. You know, talking about re, what you, um, reacting or, you know, making a, uh, getting retribution for somebody else's act. And we don't repay evil for evil. She's obviously wrong, but she can't help it. Yeah, we'll just. Yes, she she's young, but she can help it. We all can help oh, I'm it. Talking about Missy, I'm not oh, talking about. okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm not sure who you're talking about. I was just trying to teach Grace that we don't repay evil for evil. No, we don't. she happened to be on the. Abby got called on the radio, you know, in the, in the car. Yeah, oh, I know. She's she was trying to do. The, she's trying. She's trying to defend somebody. But that was not our lesson. I shouldn't have stopped there. But always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. And that means enemies. And then 16, rejoice always. 17, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then verse 19, do not quench the Spirit. We talked about that with the previous verse. Instead of being under the control of alcohol or anything else you'd be controlled by the word to be controlled by the spirit and in how we do that one part of that is just not quenching the spirit it's like i told you with my with my backslide it be the lord doesn't you don't just fall into gross sin you don't fall into a backslide it, it takes time it's a process and what happens along the way is you begin to quench the spirit those those convictions that the spirit brings to your heart on things you shouldn't be doing that used to bother you, all of a sudden you just kind of push it to the side. And the next time you do that sin, it becomes easier to do that sin because you're like, oh, well, you know what? I did it last time and I didn't get wiped out. And so it must be okay. And then before you know it, you're just... And that's what quenching the Spirit is. You're not listening to the conviction of the Spirit on things that you shouldn't be doing. And so, ultimately, these first four or five or six verses we went through are about dependence again. It's about dependence. I like those. And if you try and do it by the flesh, even if you succeed, you fail. Because you just puffed up your pride. That's all you do. And 1 Corinthians 13.3, I think, is a, a good example of that. We're talking it's the love chapter we went through one time. And this one says, and if I give away all my possessions to feed the poor and I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. And so I think that's asceticism where you, by your own flesh, you're doing things for your own, for your own glory, really. You're not doing it for the love of God or the love of other people. It profits you absolutely nothing. And so to try and quit sin by your own power as a Christian is, 
it's futile. But even if you do quote unquote succeed, all it does is puff up your pride and it'll just you'll just fall into a different sin. So it always has to be, okay, I recognize something in my life that I'm struggling with that's costing me, that's having an impact on my life, and I know this is something that is an idol, that I'm focused more upon this, that I am the Lord. First thing you do is go to the Lord and confess it and say, okay, I know I realize my highest joy comes from this, and it's not you. Or, or, or I spend more time thinking about this, and it's not you. First you confess it, but then you need to ask Him for help. You say, help me to deal with this issue. But the first part is confess. You just have to recognize and probe yourself and say, okay, what is it that gives me the most joy? And if the, and you just be honest with yourself. And if it's not the Lord, you got an idol. There's your idol. Whatever, may, whatever you're unhappy with, if it goes wrong, or you're happy with if it goes right, there's your idol. And that's a tough thing because there's all kinds of things that can pop up. But if your joy but if your joy is in the Lord and, and what He's done, who He is and what He's done for you and what's to come, that won't change. He won't change. He won't let you down. Everything else will. Riches, health, people, they'll all let you down. There's not a single thing out there that will not ultimately and he'll see to it. We talked about that in Psalm 39, 11, I think, if I remember right, maybe 139, where it talks about he consumes as a moth what is precious to you. As a Christian, he, if you get something in your, mind, in your heart and in your life that is more important to a Christian than to God, he will wipe it out. I mean, he'll just, if it's a relationship with somebody, if you're, if you're exalting somebody, he'll watch him kind of show you warts in somebody and show you warts and just... Because he will not be, he will not be second. So, so it's first by the power of God defeating sin. I, I should have probably written a little bit before that. First, you need to examine yourself. Examine what we just talked about. Where are your joys at? Where is your priority at? Where's your mind at all the time? What are you thinking about? You know, it's not the Lord most of, most of the time. Well, at least he's not the highest priority. That's going to be a problem. It will develop itself into a problem. And as we talked about last week, the deception of sin will present itself like, well, this is better than having your mind on the Lord. This is better than serving the Lord. This is watching this TV show is better than reading the Bible or listening to a sermon or whatever it is. That's the deception. The truth is you'll get more joy out of doing the things God wants you to do. You'll get more pleasure out of it too. It's going to be holy pleasure, holy joy, or the other stuff, you might get a little bit of pleasure out of it for a little while, but it'll eventually, it won't lead to the things that are good. All right, my second section is closing doors all the way. All right, Romans 13, 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ, you see how you turn to the Lord, and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. This is one of the Verses, I, I think it was MacArthur, where I listened to a sermon when I was trying to deal with my idolatries that I knew had popped up. And I realized this verse was really, really key. Is that when you realize you got a weakness somewhere, it could be alcohol, or it could be smoking, or it could be spending money, 
or it could be whatever it is. Whatever your top <clears throat> priority is, you got to deal with that harshly. And that is to say, you don't, you don't, or if say it's lusting after women or whatever it is, you got to deal with that issue. And you can't, you can't dabble in it at all. You got to really, really guard yourself. And that's when making no provision for the flesh. And so, when I commit myself to something, and I realize I'm struggling with this particular issue. With like, you know, for example, with, you know, with alcohol and things that I, I used to drink over the years and then struggle with that a little bit. And then I, I, I just like, I don't pick up beer cans and put it in my things. I don't want to look at the can. It's one of the pieces of the trash I won't pick up. That's just something I don't want any provision for the flesh. No, you just don't play with things that you know are going, are your weaknesses. And when, you know, I'm also a, a hoarder and a materialist like we all are. And so I try now not to go to Walmart unless I got a list and I'm and I pray to before I, I pray before I go in because I know how easy it is to get sucked into the materialism. It's not even just the money. It is the money because then you you can spend more than you should and that happens. But it's also the heart. Your heart can just gets turned so easily towards all the things that are in the store that the rest of the day you're thinking about, man, I, when I, next time I go back, I'm going to get this, you know. Yeah. And so it's I just protect myself as best I can. And there's sometimes when I, you know, I can if I go in there kind of dull, I know I notice. But I've just basically got to the point where I said, okay, like with the candy and things, I just say, I'm not going down the candy aisle. Don't go down the candy aisle until all your candy's gone and you're ready to buy some more. Don't you don't need any more. I've got as Avriana said, I got a candy store, and that's true. It's been at least two or three months since I bought really any candy i bought one egg one peanut butter egg but outside of that i because i've had so much stored up i thought and i went through a freezer full of food there you go and that's just i'm eating food from or i'm eating candy from 2015 i don't care i'm eating it i bought it i'm like lord i'm eating it keep me from getting poisoned but i'm eating it because so many years what i do is i just get eh, i'm tired of those i'll just buy three boxes of this and then either throw that away or give it to somebody, you know, that was my way out. I'm like, oh, look, Lord, I'm being charitable. And all it was was I'm just making more room for my own oh, stuff. Yeah, not really charitable in the heart. So now I make, I'm make i making more provisions to defend myself against if I go in there and I, if I walk down that candy aisle, I know what will happen. I'll convince my, I'll go in the candy aisle thinking, nope, never going to happen. And by the time I'm halfway down the aisle, like, you know, Lord, okay. I'm being a little harsh here. It's just how this, that's how it works. You get convinced so easy. You, you get that's the deception of sin. If you play with it a little bit, if you open there, oh, you always see on the church signs, give Satan an inch, he'll take a foot. And there's real truth in that. There's real. You do not want to willfully play with sin because you cannot willfully play with sin. So we make no provision for the flesh. 2 Corinthians 10.5 And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And you see there again, this, the, this, is a, this is a command. You know, this is, this is what we're to do. We are to, the Christian life is not some pick it and choose it kind of thing. Like, I'll, I'll submit to Christ in this area of my life, but over here I'm going to do what I want to do. 
you can see the, the thoroughness of this. That we, we are literally, to every thought that goes into our mind, we want it to be able to, to be, not be ashamed for the Lord, because the Lord knows what you're thinking. So if you're thinking something wicked, lustful or whatever it is, evil or anger, those things, you want to just really guard that. And when it comes to sin, you just got to really guard your mind and your heart from the things that flare up. And anger is another issue. You know, talking about people, every, we all have people in our lives that that flare us up. And you got to realize that for a Christian, that anger in the heart, getting trying to get vengeance on somebody, is a sin. And so you got to, you just really want to guard your mind and your heart. But it goes to the no provision of the verse before where we, you just have to be very, very guarded. Sin is a very serious thing. And anger is a very serious thing. And lust is a very serious thing. And, and covetousness, which is what materialism is, and those are all very serious things. And so, you, you again, you see, we don't, we can't play with sin. You can't say, well, I'm just going to think about you know, if I'm, if I'm, uh, so I'm really trying hard and for my own personal conviction to not watch entertainment. And so now I just try not to even think about things that I know would get me rolling again, kind of towards that again. So, you know, even shooting Nerf hoops or something, I started to think, okay, I'll just quit for a while because I'll start thinking about a Louisville basketball game, things that I miss. I know I'm not being. You know, we've already been through the legalistic aspect. I'm just saying, personal conviction of mine, I'm trying to do that. And so I just keep my mind from going to things that would kind of entice me back into, to me, not to you. I'm not putting that on you. To me, where I'm trying to deal with. And that's with anybody, any issue. If you Obviously, you know, an alcoholic shouldn't walk into a bar. And, you know, if you're if you're struggling with materialism and you should keep out of stores as best you can and so it's the same issue the same thing we talked about where again the thoroughness of it and and you'll be blessed by this it sounds like oh man what a and to an unbeliever this sounds horrible but to even a christian it can sound like man that's a burden every thought captive to christ you know what a and it, and it is i'm not saying it's easy it's it's actually impossible to have perfect Obedience on that, we know that. But but the, the the deception of sin is that that's the better way to live. If every thought is captive to the way you the way God wants you to live, you will have more joy in your life than if you do it the other way. But the mind goes immediately go really I got I got you know these things and that thing and all these things I know I got to struggle with. Your initial reaction is you just think you can't live without things. But it's just not true. The way if you do things, the more you do things the way he wants you to do them, the more joy you'll have. I said that he knows what he's doing, and he'll he'll help you get along with that. So. All right. First Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. The first part of that verse, no temptation is overtaking you, but such as is common to man. 
that's a real clear statement that you're we're not unique we all are tempted in the same ways they're, they're really categorized as lust of the flesh lust of the eyes and the pride of life and that pretty much concludes everything but the temptations that you struggle with are the same temptations I struggle with we have our unique specific sins that we struggle with I struggle with more than you but they deal with the same thing so we're all very we're all we all have a lot in common in our struggle with temptation which is why fellowship is very important because we can encourage each other rebuke each other you can see things in my life that I may not see hidden idols idols are often hidden sins are often hidden because you can you can see them in me and I can see things in you and I can try and lovingly encourage you to say okay I see this is a priority in your life and maybe you want to move it over here and you can see the same thing with me and so you see that we have the common we our temptations are common they cover those three categories you're specifically will deal with things differently or struggle with different sins specifically but they're all generally the lust of the eyes lust of the flesh and the pride of life but with the temptation he will provide a way of escape so that you will be able to endure it so when you are tempted to sin to willful sin God always provides a way out there's always a way out and we again we talk about the first step I think is in, in just turning to him you just turn to him you submit to him as we'll see in the next verse and, and temptation is difficult sometimes these temptations can come along and they're weighty and they're difficult and so you need his power to endure it but he always gives you a way out and as we you know I don't think I wrote this one down but there's the one that you I should have I thought we went through it last week where you're tempted why are you tempted you're tempted because of a, a desire in your heart if there's a, if there's a sinful desire in your heart temptation will draw that out and so when you're tempted by that you'll you, that will cause you to fall into sin but if you're constantly really guarding your heart and your mind and keeping sinful desires covetousness lust um, you know anger these things if you're keeping them under control then when temptations come along they have nothing to attach themselves to there's no desire there or if there is a little bit you immediately recognize you go okay I've been down that road before not gonna do that so some of this is just experience to be honest but but you can see from the scriptures that you know how you deal with this um, but you always know that God is faithful and he will <clears throat> He, and, and also in, in some sense the scripture is comforting I think is that you know he's regulating all the, the temptations that come to you and come to me he's purposeful in them they're going through his filter and therefore you're good now you want to get to the point where therefore you're good because you are obeying and you've been trained by these things these temptations but he will use your sin too to teach you and he'll, he'll let you get the consequences of it a little bit train you a little bit train you from the, the from the decision to sin but there's but he's always purposeful in it and he won't let you collapse under it either sometimes there feel like days where you just like lord really? i'm i'm overwhelmed here and those are the days where usually you at least you, you when you're at your wits end and you're you turn to him and that's what ultimately what he wants and we've seen the scripture where paul talks about 
that they despaired even of life and why did why did God allow that? There were so many things coming at the apostles that Paul and his group that they were just overwhelmed and they were they were suicidal and they wanted to die. It was just so horrible what was happening to them. And the purpose was so they wouldn't defend so they wouldn't depend upon themselves but on God. Is our end. So that's what he'll do sometimes. He'll put the weight on you so you'll break down and turn to him. But he always but he but I just think it's comforting to know that sometimes, especially in the weight of hard times and trials, you just have the thought of, okay, you're over this. You're in charge of this. You've proven yourself faithful time and time and time again. And so and again, that's experience. That's you know, he Part of the purpose of sending you through trials over and over is after a while you start to realize he knows what he's doing. He's doing a good thing. It hurts. And then it's hard because sometimes I get to the point I'm like, okay, I, I won't be surprised by the next trial. Things are going good right now, but I won't be surprised by that. Guess what happens? Some parts I'm like, what? 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 And so I'm like, oh, good grief, you know, because you just, that's the flesh, you know, you just, nobody wants to suffer. Nobody wants to have bad things happen to them. So there's no, I don't think there's any righteousness in thinking oh i can't wait for the next bad thing to happen to me because we don't want that but you expect it you have to expect it because god promises christ promises the, the whole the scripture is full of promises that trials will come until we're glorified and they have a purpose in them so it's good to know that he's over that and that's another way to help with sin when you're tempted and you're like okay i'm really at my wit's end here i'm gonna just check out here and go over here and do something I know I shouldn't do. If you can just remember, oh, you're, you're over this. You're doing something good. I'm just going to buy your power, be patient, and endure it. Sometimes it's just enduring the temptation, enduring the hardship. And that's what he wants. And that's teaching. It teaches patience. And this is something, man, I'm, I've had to learn over and over and over. I'm not a patient person. I'm a fix-it person. And he's learned you can't fix anything. Really. So he'll teach you that. All right. And then the last part of that is flee from idolatry. That's kind of what I underlined there is the you see the the intensity of that, the the no negotiation with sin. Make no provision, every thought captive, <clears throat> flee from it. There's no eh, just hang around a little bit. No. Run from it. Then the example a lot of people use uses Joseph when the Pharaoh's wife tried to get him to sleep with her and he just literally ran out of the room and she grabbed onto his clothes and ripped a piece of his clothes. And that's how you're to treat sin, including obviously lust and things that were going on there, is that you you don't you just flee. You go. When there's a temptation, when you're involved in a situation you know you're being tempted in, if you can get away physically, you get away. But if it's mentally, you just you don't play. You don't tinker with idolatry. You don't mix Syncretism is when you you kind of well we'll get to that in the next verse actually. All right, James four seven. Submit therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So you see there in the first part there is the only way to resist the devil and to defeat sin is to submit to God. You have it's the same thing as the power that we dealt with is it's always to turn from sin you have to turn to God. And so you submit to him. And then verse 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Same thing. The, the solution to sin is to draw near to God. Only he 
can help you to do that. And then this is where it gets, I think, a very important concept or principle here. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and He will exalt you. That whole meaning with cleanse your hands there, it's obviously we're talking about the terminology there is repentance. And repentance is a daily process. It's a daily ongoing war. Yeah, that's, that's terminology for, for, for repentance. So it's not saying go around and be miserable and you know, cry all the time. But when it comes to sin, okay, now, okay, we'll go back up to the top there. Cleanse your heart. So we're talking about if you're double-minded here, okay, and then this is what happens to all of us to certain degrees or more. You know, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Okay, so we're talking, he's address, we're addressing, Scripture's addressing here people who are, you see, double-minded there. And if, if there's one phrase in all of this lesson that I want you to, that, is the key to defeating sin, and to my opinion, is being single-minded or single-hearted. That is to say, your devotion has to be to the Lord and to the Lord only. He is supreme in your heart. Double-minded Double -minded means that you're serving God. He's your God, but you serve, but you have another God. Whether it's money, you know, all the things we've been through many times. Where your mind, where you're like, you're trying to serve. You're like, all right, God, I'm, you know, I'm yours in this aspect, but I'm over here, mixing with this. The Israelites, very rarely, in the Old Testament, that when they fall into idolatry, they very rarely would just turn away from the true God and go over to an idol. What they try to do is like they knew they would try to mix them. They're like we're going to bring this along. It's called syncretism. They bring an idol into the worship of the true and living God, which you're better off. Just turning to the idol, he doesn't. He doesn't want to be blended, you know, with a false god, and so that's what double-minded is: is that you're serving God and you're you're trying to serve God, and you're not really. And you're and you're serving something or someone else. And so it says, purify your hearts, and this is the issue I struggle with all the time, and this is, goes to all the different things we've been talking about: is you just got to really make sure that your that your your mind is on Him, primarily. Uh, again, we do you, underneath him being the top, you know, pr the source of joy, source of strength, source of everything. Then he strengthens you to do the things that you need to do. But it's real easy to go to the Lord and then start getting involved in something else, and all of a sudden this has your priority for the rest of the day, and you've just forgotten the Lord the whole day. And that's what it is to be, you just got to constantly guard and make sure that he is your everything. And he can, he, he not only commands us to, but it, it is the only way to have true joy, as we'll see when we, we get to here in a little bit. So, yes, that turn, turn, all that terminology is there was repentance. And so when you, when you get into sin, and we will, and we all struggle with sin. This is an ongoing war. This is never a, you never get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm done repenting. It's an ongoing daily battle. But I just have found in my life that I just, he has to be the priority every day. And it will be a better day. 
again, we talked about it, it's not just about avoiding punishment. It's not about avoiding chasing. It's about he is the best option for the day. I mean, just think about the transcendence of the true and living God that you can have a relationship with him and how ridiculously, not only simple, but just absurd it is to think, all right, I'm a, I've got, and I, as a Christian, I have access to the true and living God all day, any day, all night, any night. And I'm going to spend my time, first off, trying to fix my own life or trying to do things by my own power or getting distracted into having my mind subject to something else. It, it's really absurd. But the flesh wants to do it, so it's not, any, it's not like, oh, I realize now how absurd that is, so it's going to be really easy to do. It's a, it's a war. All right. Section four. Now we're going to start dealing with, okay, we've talked about walking by the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit in those terminologies where we said later on we're going to deal with, okay, what does that mean? What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? And the, and the first thing we'll deal with here is saturate your mind with Scripture. This is why I always encourage you not just that this should not be the only time that you're in the Word is when we're having our Bible study, or even on Sunday school and church, is a very good habit to get into reading the scriptures every day. You know, pray to the Lord to open your heart and give you wisdom, and then read the scriptures for a while. There's no better way to spend time. And you see there in Psalm 119.11, Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. And so you see that and this is a verse that a lot of, I've heard them recited at Christian Academy many times. But you see, the antidote to not sinning against God is treasure His Word in your heart. The more you have His Word, his, the Scripture, and this is where a lot of people talk about memorizing verses, and that's a very good thing. To, to really dedicate yourself to memorizing verses, because the more your heart and your mind are thinking about Scripture, I guarantee you, the less you're going to sin. So it's a good habit and a practice to get into. I'm not really very good with memorizing, but I've got maybe 15 memorized over the years. And I try I try to add slowly because now I've got to the point where when I add one, it seems like one goes away. <laughs> it's like there's my limit. But it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And there's a couple of them that I really memorized, like with, um, I try and do the shorter ones now. I've got a couple of them that are like paragraphs, and I'm like, I don't want to do that again. But like uh, Psalm 127.1 where it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. That's a very quick, concise scripture that says, You are, it's self, that's a scripture against self, that I've teach, or that I've teached myself, preached myself, against self-reliance. If the Lord's not in this, I can do whatever I want, but I'm building in vain. And so it's like if I'm doing something by the, and I see the spiritual activity, by the power of the flesh, and if the Lord's not in it, I'm wasting my time. And so I'm like, okay, Lord, I go to you. I'm like, make my path straight for me. Lead me. Tell me, you know, help me to, to know what you want me to do. What, and there are times when I'm, you know, what, what I say, what, you know, this is the plan, Lord. We're going to go on through Luke. Take a break here. But if you have something, there's times when he puts something on my heart and we, we do something different. And so I'm always trying to seek his guidance, seek his will. But then more, even as more importantly is to seek his power in doing it to, and to seek the right motive for his, you know, that's one thing I always struggle with is I don't want to make what we do here about me. I really don't. I want it to be about the Lord and I want it to be for your good. But it's really easy to make it about me and my own, you know, just 
subconsciously, I'm more worried about how I'm teaching than I am the Lord, you know. And I'm and it's, I don't, and I that's a battle I struggle with, you know. And I struggle with that in church and anything else where I try to pick battles and not, you know. But sometimes it's really easy to make it about you and how we're at you, and you don't even want to. And so I'm constantly guarding that. But ultimately, I just. Pastor Rick doesn't help that though. Well, we all, yeah, we all. I mean, that's what I would say with with preachers, and, and you know, just he's just a local pastor with. But I mean, I, I, that's really a joke. I didn't mean. No, I know. But national ministries, these celebrity pastors like MacArthur. Uh, I mean, I can I can only imagine how you'd have to press against. Making it about you, and I mean, obviously, he's a fifty-year man there, and and so is Pastor Faye. Really, you learn, and the Lord chastens you, but that's really one of those issues I struggle with. But I try. I always say, "All right, Lord, I want this to be about you and the good of you all first, and the good of me." I teach to myself. I'm never ever. You know, when I'm studying for these things, I I, I don't want to ever have the attitude of, wow, I'm, I'm going to go up there and lay it on them. <laughs> you know, teach them how to defeat sin, but oh, I'm doing good. So the first thing I say, I would try to receive this word with humility in my own heart. Because, you, you know what I mean? I'm, you always learn every, you learn every day. Yeah. You never, Stop. they say if you're a preacher and you're you're not preaching to yourself while you're preaching to other people, well, then you're kind of wasting, yeah. you're wasting, because you think you don't need it, and that's yeah. not true. We all need it. That's the thing. All right. So you see there the importance of treasuring Scripture in your heart. And that will affect your level of sin. It's just plain and simple there stated. Psalm 1-2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and in whatever he does, he prospers. What's that, what's that asterisk doing there? You know, I, I copied this off of... Uh, oh, so there's So it adds it for some reason. Down below. Yeah, probably. It's a lot easier. I used to type all these out. And so now it's easy to cut and paste. I found a website I like. But yeah, they have these stars, and I'm not even sure where they are. They're probably, I'm not sure. Um, but you see there again, this, this, the psalm opens, blessed, you know, it goes against the wicked, and then, but blessed is the righteous, or blessed is the man who does this. And so. You see there where it's not only studying the word, okay, which it is, but it, you should really try and get to a point where your delight is in the law of the Lord. So it's not a burden. Bible study, Bible reading, you don't want it to be a burden. You want it to be, uh, you've got to really go into the scripture and say, okay, this is such a privilege for me to understand one word of this. This is the true and living God who inspired all this, and, I, and he's willing to have the spirit of God within me, and I can understand this. That is a privilege. It's not a. It shouldn't be a burden. It you should get. It can be a burden sometimes. It's not, it, there's discipline involved, where you just say, I, you know, discipline of the flesh, where you're just like, okay, I could be doing something else, but I'm going to physically sit down and I'm going to read for a half hour. There's times where I think that's appropriate, where you just train yourself. But the more and more you really engage God in the scriptures, 
and it comes alive to you, it'll become joy to you. And then, and then over time, hopefully, it becomes what you wake up for. You're like, I can't wait for the next time I get to read the scriptures or hear a sermon or get to have fellowship because you realize that's where true joy is. You see there, in his law he meditates day and night. So it's a constant thinking about his law. And his law there is another way of saying all of scripture, not just you know the Ten Commandments or the Mosaic Law or anything like that. It's, that's a reference to all of scripture. So you want to meditate on it. So it's just, sometimes it's good just to read a good verse, you know, like I have Colossians 3 up there, 1 and 2 memorized, set your mind on Christ. And so I just kind of let that go through my mind and think about it. And the ones I have memorized, sometimes I'll just spit them out to make sure I remember what the words are. But most of the time I try and just really slow down and go through the verses and have the meaning impact my heart instead of just repeating them. But that's really, really important for you on your own time to make make it a priority to read and study his scripture. And then, we, you know, we do this and we explain and everything else. But you have the Spirit of God within you and you have a Bible and you, ha you can pray to the Father through Jesus Christ and ask him for wisdom. That's what you need to get going. And slowly but surely, he'll begin to reveal things to you on your own. And then we have questions, we can bring them here and everything else. Alright, the last section there is in defeating sin, realizing that obedience leads to joy. Real lasting joy, not sinful temporary pleasure, is the only way it happens is by obedience to the scriptures. So not only do we know, you know, we talked about in the previous section, you have to know what Scripture says. You have to study it and have it treasured in your heart, but you also have to do what it says. Obedience to the Scriptures, and then it leads to joy. The point here is that obedience is not burdensome. Scripture study is not burdensome, but it leads to true, pure joy. Galatians 5.22, But the fruit of the Spirit, so we talk about walking in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, this results in this, as we, when we studied in Sunday school. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Does anything in that list sound bad to you? That <laughs> sounds pretty good. Love. Have joy in your heart. You have peace. Peace, peace with God. Peace in your heart. You have patience. You have kindness. You have goodness. You're loyal. You're, you're, you're able to to endure things. There's nothing bad about any of those things. And so, and self-control, and that is the fruit of the Spirit. And so I just, again, I keep going back to this the last week. The deception of sin, the appeal that demons make to you and your flesh is that this is a better, more fun way to live, sin is, than obedience to the Scriptures. But that's not true. That's a lie every single time. That the blessing of obedience to the Scriptures is way, way, way better. Way, way better. And it's kind of like anything else. It snowballs, like a diet. You know, you start losing weight and you're like, get excited and it kind of gets you motivated. Same thing with the more you study scripture, the more you know the Lord, the more you'll want and want and want. Because you realize the, the truth is that, you, the, that true joy comes from obeying Him. 
John 15, 10, if you keep my, this is Jesus saying, talking, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. And so you see there, you know, Jesus says in other places, well, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And if you want to abide in Jesus' love, which is a good place to be, you keep his commandments. And you see there at the end where he says he's, he's taught us these things. And I've heard MacArthur say, and it's a good, good statement, that, that or obedience and sanctification is a, is a fight for full joy. That's what it is. is obedience is, or you know, sanctification and the daily battle against sin is a struggle for full joy. You can't lose your salvation, you can't affect that, and that's a good thing. But, you're, but you can lose joy. And you can lose peace, and you can lose all these things that that come with the battle, winning, you know, having victory over sin by the power of the Spirit. But you see here, he clearly says that the reason he wants you to keep his commandments is so your joy will be made full. Your joy will not be made full sinning. You, your play, you'll have pleasure quickly, and it'll be over, and then you'll have consequences and slavery and everything else that comes along with sin. So, so if you want full joy. You have to know the word and, and you have to obey the word. And a couple other tips here on walking in the spirit. Obviously, love is a you know, the love is the top commandment. So you want to have love for God and love for other people, selfless love. That's that's a way to, I think, walk in the spirit. Obviously, we you know, up there in First Thessalonians. 515, it covers a couple of them right there. Rejoice always. It means we are always to rejoice in what the Lord has done for us. And so I think a way to stay right focused is to daily remember your position before God. That is to say we have all of our sins forgiven. That we should be a heartbeat away from eternal judgment. That, that would be just. That would be the right thing to happen to us. But because of what Jesus did alone... His perfect life, his death for sins, his resurrection, we will be, we're a heartbeat away from eternal joy and glory. And we didn't deserve any of it. We didn't deserve it. So we always have a, a, a Christian, always, it's always, that's why it's always a sin to grumble against God as a Christian. And I do my share of it, trust me. But I really, really pressed by realizing, just thinking, okay, the Lord, when he was hanging on a cross during those three hours of darkness, that God the Father treated him as if he committed every single one of my specific sins past present future he took it it wasn't it wasn't some general generic judgment he specifically took your sins and he paid for them and you would have paid for them in hell forever and he he could have got off the cross anytime he wanted to he could have he never had to do it he's very clear that he did it by his own accord and so if you just remember, okay, these times are tough. This is going to be a tough world. This is going to be a tough trial. But eventually, one day, we're going to be in glory, and we shouldn't be. If, you, if we got what we deserved, we would be risen with the rest of unbelievers, judged according to our simple life, and be condemned forever and have no hope forever. That's, that would what would be the right thing to do, the right thing to happen to us. There's enough right there to be, to be thankful for every day, no matter how horrible you... You could lose your health, all your money, 
your family in one day and you still have a reason to praise the Lord just for that. Just for that. So I think it's always a good thing to remember is really understand. That's why I always really try and teach the mechanics of salvation that he paid, he paid your hell specifically and he didn't have to. And there's a love, there's a special love that God in Christ have for the elect that he purposely, while he was hanging on a cross, all the sins that Janet Krutner committed from your day, from the day you became willfully sinful to the day you take your last breath, he took it. He took the punishment that you deserve, and he didn't have to. That's enough to praise him. So we rejoice always, and then pray without ceasing. That is to be filled with the Spirit. It, it shows dependency. We've been we did a whole prayer lesson. But prayer just kind of keeps you in the presence of the Lord. If you're praying to Him, if your mind is talking to Him, and and we talked about it, I think there's a good time. I think I've learned over time. I used to not do this, but I do it more and more now is to actually have sit-down time, nothing else going on in my mind, just blocked out praying to the Lord. And in the off-season, it's a little easier. <laughs> but I'm going to try, Lord willing, to do purposely get up maybe five, just five or ten minutes earlier and just have that time but then throughout the day i've always done this is just kind of you talking to him you're just talking to him you're just thanking him you know thank you and help me and thank you and help me there's just two things i usually say a lot thank you and help i need help here and guard me and thank you and it's, it's just prayer is how you walk in the spirit fellowship with other christians is another <coughs> means of grace he's given us um, and and obviously the the third up there is in everything give thanks so always be thankful we just talked about that not grumbling but we always have a reason to be thankful and not only what we talked about with the cross work but just every day there's mercies every day and blows my mind how good he's been to our family you know just this week you know the way your dental work turned out the car turned out you know, in my life, there was tax returns and things that were going on that I was worried about that the Lord blessed. And and every day, He's got mercies for us. And I've learned this with prayer. I, I purposely now, because I'm a fixer, I'm a doer, when I'm, you know, i got a problem, I immediately go, okay, Lord, you can move hearts, you can change minds, you know, you can bless situations, you can have your cert, you know, I, I go to Him first. And then if I can be of help physically to you all or to, to whoever, then I try and be a blessing that way. But the first thing I do is, Lord, you're in control here. Yeah. You, you know, when I'm dealing with the brand, you know, anything, the any issue I'm dealing with where i got to deal with the government or anything, I'm like, help me here. I pray for your mercy. I know I need mercy, so I'm always asking for mercy because I know there's, you know, there's always sin in what I do. And so I... We seek Him in prayer, but it's always there's always, always, always daily things. He blesses us more than we can possibly imagine, and I love that verse in Romans where it says, "If He, oh, okay, I wish I had it in my mind." Where it basically says that He who gave His only Son for you, what we just talked about, salvation. If He did that for you, that's the ultimate gift God the Father could give is is putting wrath and killing His Son for your sake. There's nothing better that he can give you. But the point is, if he gave you that, don't you think he's going to give you all these other things too? Yeah. 
I just think he's going to provide for you and, and give you the food you need. Not, not what you want. He's not going to give us what we want. Because we don't want what we want, really. We want what he wants. And he knows what's best. So there's always times when we're like, Ugh, I kind of wish I would have got that. But all right, it didn't happen. So guess what that means? It means it's better for me, according to your will, that I don't have it. And you just trust that. So those are ways and tips that you can you can you need to. I mean they're not tips, they're commands actually, that we need to do. And this is a serious, serious battle. And if there's one thing I can take you know that I can that I can emphasize in this is that as we talked about, just trying to overcome the deception that not serving him, not having our minds set upon him, is a better way to live. Because that's the, that's the deception. Every morning you're going to wake up and you're going to be tempted to think, all right, I could really serve the Lord with all my heart, my mind, and my soul, but I could also do this. And this, you know what, Lord, I don't think I quite get through the day unless I got a little bit of this over here. There's the deception. He'll get you through the day, and he'll give you pleasures and joys and entertainments that are good according to his will. Doesn't mean it shuts everything off. Like I said, I'm not a legalist. But if you let him run things, and if you realize that joy is found in him, and Psalm 1611, I think is one of the better verses about this. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. So talk about in the presence of God, there's the fullness of joy. We saw that with what Jesus said. And then in your right hand there are pleasures forever. So the, the true pleasures, not sinful pleasures, obviously, but the true godly, holy pleasures. You like my glasses? I know, she always laughs when I put my glasses on. But hey, this is how you look. Hey, at least I look, at least I don't look like I'm 70. No. Well, I am getting oh, close. Hey, hey, wait a minute, watch out. That's so bad about 70. You wear a Christian Jacket sweatshirt. It's like, how old? What's so bad about 70? Someday you'll be 70. Yeah, Lord willing. Hey, if I'm before that, and somehow, and probably say sarcasm to a murder or an accident. All right. <laughs> well, are you done? We are almost done. Yeah, we're so we are done. So praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us. And until next time. Go away, please. Thank you. Bye. Watch it. <laughs>